Um, anyway, on my way to the gym, I just started praying for um, the session, the class that was going to come up, and while praying, it was really bizarre, I got the sense that God uh, was in it. Um, it, yeah, it was just a, a sense that I had that I didn't plan for the change, but actually I think that God is in it, and so it got me really excited. Um, and so I just started thinking, oh, Lord, is there someone is there um, someone that you want me to connect with today? Um, I know it's happened before, and so I feel like you're in it, and so cool, I'm so excited, and help me to be ready for that opportunity to connect with someone and just to be a blessing. That's what I was thinking. Um, and so I got into class, uh, the, we get an explanation of the workout, uh, and then it's time to pair up. And so I just start kind of like trying to eyeball someone looking around the room, um, and people start pairing off, and I'm still looking around the room. Suddenly, I hear a voice in the wilderness. <laughs> Luti, me and you. Um, I turned around and it was our head coach, at which point I just wanted to shrivel up and die. Because um, trust me, if you know the person that I'm talking about, uh, you will understand my pain. She is a fitness freak of nature. It was like Mr. T about to train with Pee Wee Herman and I'm not Mr. T. Uh, these are old references for some of you that are like, who are these guys? But you get the idea just from looking at um, <laughs> the pictures. And so all I could just think was, oh man, you are going to get it today. Um, Grab a wall ball, she said. Have you done 9kg? I, I was just like dying. So my first hiding for the morning was with something called a wall ball. And the exercises that you take a heavy ball, you get into a deep squat position. You've got to be below 90 degrees. And then you've got to drive the ball up in the air. And you've got to aim for a line that is painted it's painted on the wall, but I thought it was on the moon that morning. It was just like so high. Um, and then you've got to hit the line, and then you've got to catch the ball, a ball in the squat. Then you've got to drive it back up and back down and back up and back down and back up. Um, it, it's just like, yeah, it's just pure terror for the legs. <laughs> and it was pure terror for my ears because all I could hear from our coach was no rep. No rep, no rep. Um, someone knows what no rep means. Um, for those who don't know, that horrendous term, no rep, means you didn't reach the target, so it doesn't count, so do it again. <laughs> and so, yeah, the next 60 minutes was the most amazing fun of my life. Um, and at the end of class, all I could feel was trembling uh, in my body, in my heart, and so I called it Earthquake Monday. Um, in 605 BC, the foundations of the kingdom of Judah were being violently shook when Jerusalem was invaded by their enemies. Nebuchadnezzar, the evil king of a wicked city named Babylon, invaded Jerusalem, raided the holy temple of God that Solomon had built, um, and then they destroyed it. They burnt the city, and then King Nebuchadnezzar ordered that thousands of the Jews be taken captive back to Babylon. 
Under the harshest conditions, guys, the Jews had to endure a 500-mile trek, a long and difficult march back to Babylon. Just to give you guys an idea, 500 miles is 800 and, oh, sorry, yeah, 805 kilometers. It is 643 kilometers to Wellington. So it was a dark day for Judah, and as you can imagine, uh, like me in the gym, uh, the dark place that they would have had to go to in their minds as their entire world was being shaken. In addition to all of this, King Nebuchadnezzar requested that to his right-hand man that in this mix of captives, I want you to add the most outstanding Jewish youth of the royal family and the nobility that you can find right here to be trained to serve me in my evil courts. Our main character, Daniel, and his three friends were part of those special selected ones from the royal family. So, this challenge of darkness against the kingdom of Judah and its inhabitants came out of nowhere, threatening, every, threatening to destroy everything and everyone. And we know what that's like, right? We've been through that for the last, it's almost a couple of years now. Um, 2020 was a year like no other invasion. Our world turned upside down, threatening our country, our loved ones. Um, the world. Many nations are still reeling under the effects of COVID, shaking the foundations that we knew as life. Babylon would have thought that they had won that day over God's people, but the trump card is that God was still sovereign, and God was about to present his chosen ones with a unique opportunity to make their faith efforts count for God. Um, in our word, we're reading from Daniel chapter 1, um, and if you're following with me, we're starting from verse 3, if you want to listen, cool as. Okay, so, verse 3 reads, And then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his head of palace staff, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. They were to be youth without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. And this is why, to indoctrinate them with the literature and language of Babylon. What an interesting choice of words. Indoctrinate is such a strong word. It means teach them to accept my set of beliefs uncritically. And Babylon is a wicked city at the time and uh, was known as a wicked city for sin and idolatry. Um, Babylon actually means confusing by mixing, and it comes from a word that means to stain or to soil. So Babylon repre uh, represented a world system that opposed God and sought to oppress his people, to stain and to soil, to confuse them by mixing. Um, the king's plan was basically to brainwash the Jews, uh, to change their worldview, and to teach them the way his culture thinks and speaks, basically to make them conform to the pattern of his world. And this is how he did it in verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine he drank. They were to be educated and nourished 
this way for three years so that at the end of the time they were prepared to stand before the king and to enter his service. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. What would then happen is that the Babylonians assigned them with new names. The head of palace staff named Daniel Belteshazzar, Hananiah Shadrach, Meshach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego, names that many of us are very familiar with. What we might not be familiar with is that all of these names have deep meanings. I don't have time to unpack all of them, but I will say that Daniel, his name means God is my judge, and he was given the name Bel will protect you, and Bel was the god of Babylon. It's interesting, eh? By um, giving Daniel and his friend Babylon names, the enemy wanted them to forget who God had called them to be to divorce them from the holy roots of their homeland and to take on an identity of a defiled Babylon. We can learn so much from this. Um, Our key verse, though, is verse 8. This was Daniel's response. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Therefore, he asked the head of staff to exempt him from the royal diet so as to not defile himself. Daniel is a captive foreigner seated at the table of worldly riches and yet denies the king of his gourmet feast. You know that a king doesn't skimp on food, right? It will be the best of the best. It'll be the works. It'll have um, luau, uh, lusipi, kalo, rump steak, fried chicken, adobo, like the works. Um, but Daniel wasn't just saying no to a hearty feed. He himself said that the reason for not partaking of the food was because of defilement. Again, another interesting choice of words. Uh, As I looked into this more, the very first time that defilement is ever mentioned in the Bibles in the book of Leviticus, um, and Leviticus is where the laws of God are spelled out to Moses and Aaron for the people of Israel. Um, If you remember back in the Old Testament days before Jesus may... uh, had made God's holy presence accessible by the cross, the Israelites could only access the holy presence of God by following holy laws to the letter. So that's what Leviticus is all about. You had to adhere to everything. And interestingly, defilement is first mentioned in chapter 11 of Leviticus, where it's all about food. Again, defilement and food. The word of God is so cool, so rich, and so connected. And in your own time, you can have a read of that whole chapter if you want to know what the exhaustive list of what you can and couldn't eat was. But verse 44 to 45 explains Daniel's why. This is what it reads in Leviticus. For I am the Lord your God, Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves by any swarming thing that crawls on the ground, for I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you shall be holy as I am holy. God's 
command to his people was to be undefiled because he was their holy God. And in that verse, he paints a picture of what defilement looks like. It's like partaking of an animal that crawls. In the original language, it wriggles on the ground. Um, what animal do we know that wriggles on the ground? It's the serpent. Um, so Daniel clearly understood something about this Leviticus 11 principle. He wasn't just a man of discipline and integrity who knew the law. Um, there was something more going on. It wasn't just his head knowledge that gave Daniel the courage to defy the king and deny his rich diet. It was more in his heart, as we uh, read earlier, that he purposed in his heart to not be defiled. Um, the law of God wasn't just in his mind, but it was hidden in the deep treasures of his heart. And it, I just, in my studies, just happened to stumble across this amazing passage, Psalm 119, uh, beginning in chapter 1. David writes and describes Daniel's heart the best. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. With my whole heart, it says in verse 10, I have sought you, O let me wander, O let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. That was Daniel's why. While seated at the king's table, this brave Jewish teenager, he was a youth at the time, knew that to partake in Nebuchadnezzar's enticing food was actually to partake in Satan's scheme to defile his heart. That's why he said no. The decision wasn't about protein and alcohol. It was about loyalty and honor and worship of his God. He couldn't bring himself to sin against God in his heart, and so he was willing to risk his life. Um, and what I wanted to say is that holiness will always involve risk in the world that we live in, in the culture that we're surrounded by. Um, and taking risks for the sake of holiness is something that we need to be ready for and willing to do whenever challenges to compromise um, our standards present themselves. We need to know uh, why so we can reach our target. Amen? Um, so after, uh, just thinking back on my own journey, after graduating from our leadership college, I was so excited to make our faith count. I wanted to, I felt like God was calling me to the media industry, and so I signed up to our film and television school, which was just like entering, I remember feeling like it was a present day Babylon at the time, and um, I'd been studying Daniel for a while, so I had a sense of the godless culture that I was stepping into, and the indoctrinating that the enemy might try to do, um, and so I literally, the book of Daniel was a lamp to my feet and a light for my path during my time there, um, but from day one, the heat was on. I was just laughing, thinking it's on in her icebreaker this morning. Um, our drama class icebreaker was you had to roll around on top of each other to get familiar with each other, with your personal space. Uh, and I wish I was joking. I wasn't, I'm not exaggerating. Um, there were moments where I had to just get up and walk out of a lecture class because of the films that we had to analyze, um, listening to worldviews that completely contradicted uh, my own belief system. 
In one instance, I had to, I remember just going to the head of our acting drama class uh, because I wanted to appeal. We had to act in front of the class. We were given a script that was just full of foul language. I said, could I just change some of these words? I'll, I'll deliver the, the emotion, but I just want to change the words. Words have power. You know, like this is me just coming in, uh, not knowing how to communicate it, but just speaking from my heart. And I remember him saying to me, Luti, do you understand where you are? Um, you know, what do you expect to do every time you're on set out there and you're not happy? Like, he just thought it was a joke. Um, and I gained quickly gained a reputation of being that Christian girl, um, but I had to hold fast to my convictions and be willing to not be popular and at times frustrate tutors and students uh, because of the standards that I had. Um, and so I just want to say I understand that it is not easy standing out. It is not easy uh, because you feel like you're standing alone at times, but it is worth the peace in your soul. Um, for doing that. And also, God was sure to show up with his grace along the way. Um, verse 9 goes on to say that the head of the palace staff, by God's grace, liked Daniel. But he warned him, I'm afraid of what my master, the king, will do. He is the one who assigned this diet, and if he sees you not as healthy as the rest, he will have my head. But Daniel appealed. He appealed to the guard who had been assigned to him, um, and he said this, try us out for 10 days on a simple diet of vegetables and water, and then compare us with the young men who eat from the royal menu. Make your decision based on what you see. So Daniel goes vegan for 10 days, <laughs> eating only vegetables and drinking only water and inviting the guard to test the results. And as a result, Daniel's holy confidence and great courage is incredible as it is met by the gracious, sovereign hand of God. Um, it's amazing. We read there just in the verses above how Daniel found favor with the wicked king of the head of staff. Um, by God's grace, he liked Daniel. We read also that uh, God graces Daniel with quick wisdom to appeal to the guard with another strategic alternative. Try us out on a simple diet of vegetables and water. And then we also observe that Daniel is graced with holy boldness um, to leave his fate up to God. Um, make your decision on the basis of what you see. So Daniel was willing to step out and just trust God with the outcome. The grace of God would continue, after that verse, would continue to be revealed in his life. What, go, what goes on to happen is that da the results reveal that Daniel and his friends, Daniel, Meshach, um, Abednego, Hananiah, they looked better, more robust than those who had been eating from the royal menu. Um, the guards then see this amazing result, and so they let Daniel and his friends off the hook. Um, and continue to exempt them from the king's diet. And then also God anoints Daniel and his friends with great knowledge 
and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, not just the Babylonian kind. And also he gives them supernatural ability to understand all kinds of dreams and visions. This, again, was all evidence of God's grace, grace upon grace upon grace for Daniel's obedience. By the end of three years of training, what King Nebuchadnezzar witnesses is just mind-blowing. It reads here in verse 19, the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel and his friends. So they entered the king's service in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them 10 times better than all the musicians the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. They came out 10 times better than his own secular crew. That is grace. Uh, The king found them more handsome, more healthy, more intelligent, more wise, and more spiritually gifted. Uh, This is what can happen when our obedience and God's grace come together. Daniel shows us here that in the th- he was in the thick of the world, but he wasn't of it. Um, and what Daniel wouldn't have realized at the time is that the risks that he was taking for God were actually making him much stronger for greater battles which God had prepared for him. Over the coming weeks, we get to hear more accounts of just the wild um, displays of human loyalty towards God from Daniel and his friends, um, and how God is going to show himself even stronger. It's just going to be awesome. Um, But I do just want to say that when our convictions are under fire, we want to recognize it as a test that God wants you to pass to promote you to the greater battles that he has preordained for us all to fight and win. I love how Ephesians 6 puts it in the message, God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything that the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and Put them to use so that you will be able to stand up against everything that the devil throws your way. Our King Jesus did this as well. Before he was released into ministry at the age of 30, um, he, had, he was tested in the wilderness by the enemy. This was the dialogue between the enemy and him. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and its splendor. I will give this to you if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So even Jesus went through the same uh, kind of battle that Daniel did and that we do. But we all knew what the greater battles were that was ahead for Jesus. First, he had to pass that test in the wilderness of remaining undefiled and obeying God and his word. Um, In the TV industry, uh, the battles just got harder for me as well. Um, Just even examples of like, um, uh, I remember a producer asking me to, blatantly just to lie on a document that we had to complete for a funding project that we had received. So it just got worse worse and worse. What I was reminded of though was just um, my last TV job and a test that really reminded me of what happened in film school. 
I worked for a popular uh, music program that was on air every Saturday at 10 a.m. Our routine was on a Friday night at 6 o'clock, a few of us, myself, the producer, the director, we would go upstairs to the studios and we would watch down the program that was going to air for the next day to ensure that there was no errors, no um, problems, that all the stories were there, that everything was timed well, that um, the graphic... Uh, quality was good so we just had to do a thorough check and I remember us one time sitting up there watching a showdown for the next day and there was a massive error and all of a sudden our producer who is a very foul-mouthed person just starts a whole lot of f-bombs going up in the room they just start rolling there's another error her swearing starts escalating there's another error and then the F-bombs turned into a whole lot of blasphemy. It was the worst thing I had ever heard. Uh, yeah, you can just imagine, beep, beep, Jesus, beep, beep. Yep, she just went on and on and on. Um, it was like she took a machine gun to his name and just went for it. Um, and I just remember at the time just being so offended uh, that I just had to get up out of the get up, walk out of the room, and just close the door behind me. And I was so angry at the time that I ended up crying. Um, and it was just such uh, an intense moment and an emotion, a moment full of emotion. And then I just had to be out of there. Um, but my spirit just wasn't at peace. And what I did at that time was I messaged a friend. I messaged Rowena. I just said, uh, "Could you please pray for me? Something just happened, and I need to do something about it." Uh, I need to say something. Um, so I knew that I couldn't just be si silent. I couldn't just let this moment pass by. And what I ended up doing was having to go up into her office again. I had a lot of these office conversations where I had to just speak with her. Um, and this was just literally what I said, unrehearsed and just straight from the heart. I wasn't sure how it was going to fall on her. Um, but I just pretty much said, man, your language up there was just highly offensive to me. I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. I love Jesus. And um, that just really hurt. And I just want to ask you if you could please refrain from doing that. It's like me um, taking the name of someone that you love and just using them um, in the middle of my swearing as well. And um, yeah, she was apologetic and she... Uh, just said that she wouldn't do it again. And I just remember walking out of there um, as terrified as I was with a heavy heart, uh, but just thinking that I had to do that. And I remember messaging um, Rowena straight away after and said I did it. Um, she apologized, and so thanks for praying. And um, Wayne's reply to me was, you're a world changer. And I never forgot that. And I share that moment to say that changing the world, changing the culture around us happens in these wee moments, in these small moments in your corner of the world, wherever it may be, at meal tables, in studios, bus stops, um, at the gym, at the daycare, at a wedding, um, just everyday conversation with friends, wherever. But it happens when you decide to just make a stand as small as it may seem for your holy convictions and to refuse to allow the enemy to defile your heart. Sometimes defilement comes by just saying nothing. 
uh, you will know in your spirit, but it's in those moments when you take a holy risk that you really bring honor to God. And you never know, you might just influence someone in the process. I don't know if that moment necessarily um, made a difference in my boss's life, but I believe it changed something in the atmosphere. It moved the needle ever so slightly for the kingdom of God. And most importantly, God was proud of me for just seeking to honor him and his word that was treasured in my heart. Um, The very last line of Daniel is so profound to me, and it reads, and Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel was taken into captivity, as I mentioned, as a youth in 605 BC. Cyrus became king in 539 BC. So that means that Daniel was in captivity for 66 years and remained undefiled. His life was just stunning to watch and his heart is one that I'm sure we really want to follow for Daniel to remain loyal to God under an evil king's rule for that lengthy period of time. He was clearly living for gains that far surpassed anything life had to offer him on earth. He was living for heaven's gain. Um, Our Jesus proved that he was living for heaven's gain too when he went to the cross for us, even uh, death on a cross. Um, Jesus commands us to live for heaven's gain too in John 12, 25. And I love this verse. Whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I had to really sit on that. That, that phrase, whoever hates his life in this world. Um, in other words, God, and you need to read that correctly, it's not saying hate your life, it's saying hate your life in this world. Live on earth for the kingdom of God. That's the kind of life on earth that you'll truly enjoy and that will count for all eternity. Um, Today is a special day for another reason. Um, This week, one of our dear sisters passed away. And um, today, a little bit later on today, we'll get to celebrate her life online. But um, Olga Milford was one of our very first campus leaders at Auckland Uni when Every Nation was first planted. Um, She really helped to lay the groundwork with Pastor Nelly on campus and then Pastor Jarrett soon joined and she served for many years faithfully, discipled us, preached passionately, um, was a real pillar in the house and many of us ladies who were new Christians at the time were so influenced by just watching the holiness that she demonstrated just in amazing woman who at such a young age is now with Jesus Um, and we were just some of us were sitting in the office just talking about it and her passing is a reminder to me that this is not our home guys Um, it may feel like that it may at times it may feel like um, this is where the gains are at but it ain't Uh, we are foreigners here and our true gains are to be in heaven but While we are here, like Daniel, we each have an important assignment to bring glory to God by being undefiled, by hiding his word in our hearts and obeying it, by allowing God's grace to help us to be people of influence that take ground for the kingdom of God. Everyone say, rep him well. Rep him well. Um, You know, my prayer for us this morning is that we go out today with a renewed commitment 
to rep him well. Um, We're going to close up today with an application question. And I just wanted you to break up just with the person next to you and answer these two questions for yourselves. The first one, where has God placed you to be a holy influence? And number two, how can you level up this week in God's word? So if you can just take maybe two to three minutes to answer that with the person next to you, and then we'll wrap us up in prayer. Please do that. Thank you.